0: Via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Go to slash spyscape plus for details. Incoming transmission. Welcome. 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 This is True Spies. The podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Week by week, you'll hear the true stories behind the operations that have shaped the world we live in. True Spies. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? This is True Spies.
1: Sonya had many faces, but she only had one heart. It was the cold, steely, beating red heart of a Stalinist spy.
0: I'm Sofia DiMartino, and this is True Spies from Spyscape Studios. Sonia's Red Heart, part one, the fairy tale of Ursula Kaczynski. (laughs) When Ursula Kaczynski was a young teenager in Schoenberg, Germany, she would write stories and poems late into the night, far-fetched adventures of risk and romance. Quite often, she was the protagonist. Childhood fantasy or an act of self-realization?
1: There are a number of questions that were always unanswered about Sonia and questions that should have been asked.
0: In the course of writing the story of her life, Ursula Kaczynski would become someone else entirely, a protagonist at the heart of a 20th century fantasy. Her name would be Sonia.
1: This rather small, sprightly woman with sparkling bright eyes was one of the most important intelligence officers that the Soviet Union possessed at the time.
0: And quite unlike a storybook adventure, her acts had very real consequences.
1: She saw many of those who thought she was their friend murdered by Stalin's secret police, for whom, of course, she was, in a sense, working. And she didn't bat an eyelid about it. There were a small number of totally ruthless, cold-blooded killers. They didn't necessarily have blood on their hands, but they were killers, who went along with Stalin's mad, murderous endeavors and showed him blind loyalty.
0: Meet Professor Anthony Glees, a lifetime professor at the University of Buckingham and former director of two centers for the study of security and intelligence policy. He also happens to live in rural Oxfordshire in the UK, not far from the very spot that the winds of fate deposited Agent Sonia during the Second World War.
1: Sonia had lived an amazing 20th century life, highly dangerous, very courageous.
0: And it was in the leafy villages of Woodstock, Kidlington, Glipton and Great Rollwright between 1941 and 1950, that Sonia carried out her boldest acts of espionage. For nine years, she slipped through the net of the British intelligence services, posing as a scone-baking mother and homemaker, a pillar of her local communities. All while delivering the closest guarded secrets of the Anglo-American atomic project directly to the Soviet Union.
1: One of these weapons could change the course of the war and two weapons, as we know in the case of Japan, two weapons would end a war. Simple as that. And I imagine that Stalin wanted to know every detail about it all the time.
0: Stalin would get his wish when Russia successfully detonated its own nuclear bomb in August 1949. That much we know for certain. But as for Agent Sonia the faithful servant who helped him achieve his aim, well, much appears mysterious. In fact, Antony believes that even Sonia's own account of her life's work was just another in a long line of half-truths and fictions.
1: All texts written by people involved in the world of secret intelligence should be approached with great caution none of them should be taken at face value
0: writing under the name ruth verner sonia published a memoir in 1977 entitled sonia's report it became a bestseller
1: in my considered opinion there's a lot there that is accurate what is significant however are the things that are missing and the precise description of exactly how she did what she was doing. And that isn't surprising.
0: Antony has been absorbed by Sonia's story for the past 50 years. But there were details he felt that never quite added up.
1: An academic investigation has to bring to her book the question, but what about the things that you would have hoped to have found in there would have been astonished and surprised, but this was a woman who really had no connection. She had been to Britain, I think, once or twice. Yet Sonia was given a British passport, came to Liverpool, and without any let or hindrance, passed on her way and moved to 78 Woodstock Road in Oxford, where she <laughs> she set up her store.
0: And then finally, in twenty twenty, it all started to click into place when Anthony's rigorous colleague and former PhD student, Professor Tony Percy, alerted him to a certain file he'd come across in the British archives. Every day in America, 60 million
1: packages are delivered, but we don't always know what's inside. He bent down to pick the package up. That's when the device detonated. Danger is everywhere, and no one is safe in Austin, Texas, as law enforcement hunts a serial bomber for 19 days.
0: From Sony Music Entertainment, Campside Media, and Pegalo Pictures, this is Witnessed. 19 days. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts to binge all episodes or listen weekly wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The file KV-641 was released into the British National Archive about 20 years ago. That is to say, 30 years after I first began to take an interest in her story.
0: This unassuming-looking file, KV-641, no different to any of the other grey folders, is a file about Sonia. KV tells scholars it is a file from the security service MI5. 641 tells you the month and the year that the file was opened. The very fact that MI5 had a file on Sonia, dated June 1941, straight away raised important questions for Anthony and Tony.
1: What this file told us, in my opinion, that was both startling and new were two things. First of all, that Sonia was well known both to MI6, Britain's Secret Intelligence Service, and to MI5.
0: A direct contradiction of MI5's official account of Sonia, which claimed intelligence services had known nothing of her history when she rocked up to the United Kingdom in 1941. If they had, in fact, known of her communist affiliations, well, that begs a question. Why wasn't she arrested, refused entry, or interned? Which brings us to KV641's second revelation
1: it shows that she outsmarted both MI6 and MI5, and in short, outsmarted the British intelligence establishment.
0: In other words, Dr. Anthony Glees and Dr. Tony Percy believed that the security services knew Sonia to be a potential threat, but allowed her safe passage to the UK all the same. Why?
1: she was a double agent acting for MI6.
0: And to understand why MI6 might have considered an agent like Sonia theirs for taking, let's go back. Who exactly was Agent Sonia?
1: She was born Ursula Kuczynski into a prominent, wealthy, academic, non-religious Jewish family. And during the first phase of her life in Germany's Weimar Republic, Sonja was a journalist for the Red Flag and other communist newspapers.
0: Ursula joined the Communist Party of Germany, aged 19, and after a brief period in New York, returned to Berlin, where she married another young German leftist and budding architect, Rudolf Hamburger, and set up the Marxist Workers' Library. But it was a job opportunity that presented itself to Rudolf... ...at an architectural firm in Shanghai... ...that would trigger the next phase of Sonia's life.
1: Then, as today... ...the Russian interest in China was extremely strong and close. But China was also, in decay and was the playground of imperial powers and had been ever since the beginning of the 20th century.
0: By this time, the Nazi Party was rapidly gaining support in Germany. The Weimar Republic appeared critically weakened. After leaving for China in July 1930 via the Trans-Siberian Railway, the pair boarded the Chinese Eastern Railway before embarking on a 600-mile boat ride across the Yellow Sea. Finally, Ursula and Rudolf Hamburger arrived in Shanghai. The socio-economic disparity under the ruling Nationalist Party of Generalissimo Chiang Kai-shek was unlike anything the 23-year-old Ursula had seen before.
1: People knew that China was changing.
0: And as the fledgling Soviet Union saw it, primed for revolution.
1: They share this huge border. So if you are in Russia and you are a communist and a Bolshevik, you want to be very careful that your relationship with China is conducive to the further development of communism.
0: As the wife of a talented young German architect, Ursula was welcomed into a bohemian community of wealthy expats in Shanghai. It was all centred around a sprawling manor house called the Concordia. There, the future of Germany was fiercely debated from afar, by both Marxists and those who aligned with the National Socialist Party. But that wasn't the only company Ursula kept. She also took a job as secretary to the Far East correspondent of a news agency called the Wolf Telegraphic Bureau. Ursula's boss introduced her to the influential German Marxist author Agnes Smedley, whose book, Daughters of Earth, she had read eagerly back in Berlin. And Smedley, in turn, introduced Ursula to a man who will be familiar to regular listeners of True Spies. A man who was about to change Ursula's life forever.
1: so-called Soviet master spy who was a German called Richard Zorge.
0: Spy master Richard Zorge, a.k.a. Agent Ramsey, whose story we told in The Impeccable Spy was building his network in Shanghai at the very moment of Ursula's arrival. His mission was to keep track of the fraught situation in China, which bordered the Soviet Union in Mongolia, and to encourage in any way possible the momentum of the nation's budding communist movement.
1: He worked in the German embassy and simply passed on secrets to Stalin about... German intentions towards the Soviet Union of absolutely vital importance.
0: And when he met Ursula, another German with clear communist allegiances, he instinctively felt she could be of use, particularly with her access to the influential crowd at the Concordia.
1: It was thought, quite correctly, that by spying on what the Germans were doing in China, the Soviet Union would get a good take on what the West was likely also to want to do the Soviet Union.
0: And so in November, 1930, Ursula Kaczynski met her destiny. In his communications to Moscow, Ricard Zorge allocated her the code name, Sonia meaning in ancient Greek, wisdom, which is exactly what Sonia traded in. And Sonia wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty to get it. With her standing at the Concordia, Sonia had access to high-rolling politicians, journalists, businessmen, bankers, a veritable cross-section of German high society in China. Soon she was listening in on their conversations or soliciting her own intelligence. By 1931, Agent Sonia had established herself as a crucial asset for the GRU, Russian military intelligence, convincing those in her orbit that she was a curious yet unremarkable woman.
1: If you are like Sonia, Tradecraft says... You should in no way draw attention to yourself. You should do absolutely everything to make yourself seem as ordinary as possible.
0: So when Sonia gave birth to a boy in February 1931, far from seeing this as an inconvenience, Ricard Zorge was pleased. Who would suspect a young new mother of being involved in an underground communist spy network? The answer was no one. Apparently not even her own husband.
1: Sonia was an entirely ruthless person, entirely cold, hard as steel. She used her mind and she used her body in the interests of Soviet communism.
0: So much so that she was willing to put the life of her newborn baby Misha at risk. The Chinese Public Security Bureau were hunting down communists. And this was not long after the so-called White Terror... Chiang Kai-shek's monumental communist suppression campaign of 1927. At least 300,000 people were thought to have been kidnapped, tortured and even buried alive. Sonia was careful, but others did not cover their tracks sufficiently.
1: The more things you have going on in your activities, the more likely you are to be uncovered by police, counterintelligence officers...
0: Which is precisely what happened in June of 1931, when the Shanghai Municipal Council uncovered a cache of documents identifying a huge portion of the urban communist network. Remarkably, neither Zorge nor Sonia were exposed in the breach. Both staggered on in Shanghai, operating in a critically weakened network before Zorge was recalled to Moscow in 1933. Sonia would never see the man who christened her again. With the departure of her handler, who was also her secret lover, her mission seemed to be over. But it appears Sonia's reports had caught the attention of the right people in the GRU. Soon, she was presented with a new opportunity one which would see her blossom from a grunt-working agent to a fully-fledged officer.
1: Officers in the Soviet world consisted of two kinds. Officers in political intelligence, the NKVD, and officers in military intelligence, then as now commonly called the GRU. Sonia was an officer in the GRU. She was a military intelligence officer, not a political intelligence officer.
0: With her new promotion came new responsibilities. Until this point, Sonia had been passing on information to Ricard Zorge, who would transmit this back to Moscow with the aid of a professional wireless radio operator within the embassy. But now, Sonia needed to learn this complex
1: art herself to communicate by wireless the fruits that her agents and the agents of Soviet intelligence were picking from those on whom they were spying. So she didn't generate the material, she passed the material on.
0: Sonia was eager to learn. She attended an intensive training school in August of 1933 located in the woods in the Moscow River near the village of Vorobyeva. Disguised as a sports base, the radio training laboratory of the People's Commissariat of Defense, codenamed Sparrow, was temporary home to 80 handpicked trainees. Over six months, they would study the construction of receivers and wireless equipment and the art of Morse code. Sonia was to leave her baby boy in the care of his grandparents in Czechoslovakia for the duration of her stay. She passed Sparrow with flying colours.
1: She clearly had a genius for radio transmissions, which is how these messages were sent from the field to Moscow Centre. She operated wherever she was, whether in the Far East or in the United Kingdom, She operated right under the noses of those on whom her Soviet masters were spying. That's an amazing achievement.
0: Sonia's next assignment was in Japanese-occupied Manchuria, where, together with fellow Soviet agent Johan Patra, she was to aid the Chinese communists in their resistance. When they arrived in 1934, Manchuria had been under occupation for three years and was in a state of semi-war. Danger lurked everywhere from both the Japanese occupying forces and nationalist rebels. Sonia and Johan Petra would be tasked with sourcing parts for a transmitter to smuggle into the city of Merken and establishing an operations base there. From here, they would transmit intelligence back to Moscow. All while doing their best not to be caught by the notorious military police of the Imperial Japanese Army, the Tai.
1: It wasn't just the danger, it was the fact that what she was transmitting was of such great use to the Soviet Union, its knowledge of what was going on in the Far East.
0: Sonia was sending news of the Chinese partisans, reports on sabotage and Japanese counterinsurgency measures.
1: It was what Stalin would look at first thing in the morning because the fate of communism, they believed, depended first and foremost on what Germany would do and secondly, what would happen in China, would there be a communist state, communist revolution and therefore security or would... A militaristic, fascistic Japan seek to destroy Soviet communism, possibly with the Third Reich as its ally.
0: The fearlessness Sonia displayed in Manchuria would eventually lead to her being awarded the Order of the Red Banner a few years later in 1937. It was presented to both individuals and military units for acts of extreme military heroism.
1: I think she had great political insight. She was a technician. She was an engineer. She was good at doing the radio stuff. But she also knew to get the most significant things onto Stalin's desk.
0: Sonia's stream of Manchurian intelligence flowed uninterrupted for a year. But just as in Shanghai, where there was a spy ring, there were breaches. Eventually... A Chinese communist ally named Xu who'd been teaching Sonia Mandarin and assisting her with wireless activities, was arrested by the secret police in April 1935. The trail, inevitably, would lead directly to Sonia. In the second part of Sonia's Red Heart, the net tightens, and Sonia must make her hasty return to Europe. But the situation on the continent
1: has deteriorated. It's important to realize she came from a prominent Jewish communist background. Either of those things, to be Jewish or to be a communist, spelt doom for Sonia if the Gestapo were to get their hands on her.
0: And if she is to survive, Sonia must entertain new alliances.
1: When Victor Farrell became aware of Sonia's presence in Switzerland, he formed the view, this is my argument, that Sonia could be turned into a double agent working for Britain, using the same logic that had turned Nazi spies into double agents for Britain.
0: But could this agent's communist loyalty truly be corrupted? If there's one thing we know about Sonia, it's that her heart beats red.
1: What Sonia did was manipulate this international situation to her best advantage.
0: I'm Sofia Di Martino. Join us next week for the second part of True Spies, Sonia's Red Heart. Get exclusive subscriber-only content an episodes first and ad-free with Spyscape Plus on Apple Podcasts.
1: In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun.